The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle's got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag. Swainevent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Hope everyone is having a fabulous Tuesday. It is September the 19th. It is a great day to have a great day. Tuesdays are the best day of the week. And can't have a Tuesday without my guy Ben McKee of Go Vols 247. Uh, ben, what it do? Good morning. What it do? What's up? Good morning, Swain. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I I want to apologize to you first. Um, I was not in the best of moods after the game on Saturday, and after the game, um, you were trying to talk about the game, what happened, what didn't happen. <laughs> And um, Ben, I, I I didn't say anything back to you. <laughs> I I apologize, man. Um, it's pretty upset, but I'm okay now. So I, I like to apologize, man. Probably should have told you that before, uh, but I think you understand. We've known each other for a long time. Um, I was I was um, not in a talkative mood, but I am now, Ben. Hi. Congratulations to your Steelers. Thank you. Thank you. Ugly win, but a win is a win. Take those every chance you can get. How many Tennessee fans would like to turn an ugly loss into an ugly win this morning? All day. And it's always nice to beat the Browns, especially with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. Heart goes out to Nick Chubb, man. He's actually one of my favorite players in the league. I know. The the most underrated player in the league, which is weird because he's one of the best, but still doesn't feel like that guy's talked about enough especially at that running back position. And it, it looked just like that injury he had in, in 2015 and in, inside of Neyland Stadium against Tennessee. So uh, that that's that, that makes your heart hurt, knowing that somebody's got to go through that type of gruesome injury twice. So hopefully he can bounce back uh, better than than ever. But it's okay. I forgive you. I, I'm used to you big time in me at, at this point. So it's it's all good in the hood. No, that, that, that wasn't nothing about big time. It was just, it was just me and you. And walking through the tunnel, I just. I, I'll be honest. I, I i wasn't upset that, that you weren't responding to me. I was nervous that you were going to swing on me like some of the Tennessee and, and Florida players were doing on, on the field. There for a moment, I, I was thinking to myself, let, let me go ahead and shut up and, and get to this interf- interview room before Swain swings on me like I'm like I'm one of the players on the field. I mean, I was I was I was glad to see us display some fight um i think 
we did that in the second half, but we didn't give ourselves enough time. And Florida had a really good game plan. Um, their defense coordinator did a really good job. He's 30 years old, and uh, he has a pretty good notch on his belt being able to um, successfully shut down Tennessee's offense that has been uh, so prolific over the last couple of, of years. You, you got to tip your cap to the Florida coaching staff. I thought Florida coaching staff had uh, the disadvantage. I thought Tennessee's staff was better. I thought Tennessee's team was better. But that wasn't the case on, on Saturday. And um, that's sports. You have off nights. You have games where the opponent gets the best of you. It just stinks that it was versus Florida. And um, it was after watching this Florida team play the way they played against Utah and all the holes that they have with their roster. But there's power playing at home. We see that. We experienced that over the last two years, how Neyland Stadium can be an advantage. And the Swamp is an advantage too. Um the key to this football game, one of the keys being was to start fast and take the crowd out of the game. I thought Tennessee did a good job of that after the first touchdown. You allow Florida to eat up about seven minutes of the clock on their first possession, but you got the block field goal. You went down and scored quickly. The crowd was quiet, but fell to keep the crowd quiet because Florida was able to go down and, and score um, – with with ease and while doing that had a four play 75 yard drive which included an embarrassing touchdown run if you're Tennessee but a great touchdown run if you are ETN um offensively made some plays here and there but not enough. I sit back, Ben. I, I watch kind of what I said here and there. Rarely do I get on a message board. I did not this past weekend. But I kind of sit back and, and watch, kind of get a pulse of the, the fan base. And uh, before I go further, I want to say this. Players and parents. There's nothing for you on social media. Nothing for you. Tennessee, play poorly. You know college football and the SEC comes with passion. You know that anyone can say anything behind the keyboard. You know, I know, everyone listening knows that most of the people that say what they say behind a keyboard will not say it to your face. But you get on social media, you allow whatever is being said to bother you. If you know you're going to be bothered about what someone who 
can't do what you do. Say some things to get you mentally and emotionally out of whack. Don't get on there. It ain't for you. You know what's going to be said. So why get on there? There's not going to be a surprise. Like, if you play well, you balled out, okay, man, you want to get on there, cool. But they're going to be roasting your teammates. It's not any. It's not going to be anything good for you mentally, emotionally. You're not going to win an arguing match. You're wasting your energy. Stay off social media. There's nothing good for you. That doesn't take away from the fact that folks are disrespectful. Folks are crossing the line. But you can't control that. You can't control it. And knowing you can't control it, you need to control what you can control, which is your peace, which is your energy. Just stay off of it. and Go, back, uh, go get back to work. Ben, when you when you lose a game the way we lost the game on, on Saturday, it's easy to point the finger here, point the finger there, make a list of people to blame. <laughs> Y'all, when you lose like that, there's a long list. It's a long list. There's a lot of things that we did not do right. There's a lot of small things we didn't do right that turned into big things. Um, if you want to blame the coaches, cool. If you want to blame the players, cool. Everybody's involved. Everyone's accountable. Everyone is responsible. And everyone's going to take everyone to fix what we saw on Saturday for this upcoming Saturday in preparation for the next Saturday when you're hosting South Carolina at night. So, Ben, I'll pass the baton to you. Um, I can talk for an hour and a half straight about Saturday. That is not this type of show today. This is a show of back and forth today. (laughs) So, I want to get your point, man. I want to get your point of view and um, get get your take, man. Um, There may be some things I missed, I didn't think about that, you have in mind, man. Love to hear your thoughts on, on Saturday. Even though it's Tuesday, we typically move on from the previous game on Tuesday. But, hey, it is what it is. It's our first uh, show of the week. Well, I, I thought Billy Napier's playing offensively was was really, really great as well. You mentioned the, the D.C. for Florida's plan, uh, and, and he had a nice plan as well. But I, I thought Billy Napier's might have been the difference in the football game. Uh, I, I was incorrect in thinking that Tennessee would own the line of scrimmage uh, really on either side of the ball, but I was more surprised that Florida, at least in the first half, because the defense did get things figured out in the second half. They only allowed three points, gave the offense plenty of opportunities to to make that a one-score game, 
if not come back and win that game. So the defense at least got got some things figured out in the second half. Billy Napier talked in his post-game press conference about being too conservative with his play calling. So so that may have helped. But I, I thought the second half performance from the defense was more of what we were going to see in the first half. And I guess more specifically, the second quarter when Florida just completely changed the, the course of that football game. And uh, listening to Cole Kublick speak on his podcast, uh, because he provides insight that I just cannot provide, but passing along something that that he said, which makes sense in hindsight, is Florida likes to run a lot of stretches and get to the perimeter. That stretch play is designed to get outside the tackle and, again, get to the perimeter and, and try and, and get out in open space. And he thought that Tim Banks was maybe too aggressive in trying to defend the stretch play. And instead, Florida just kind of ran it right down the middle, right up Tennessee's throat, and that led to issues defending the run there in the first half uh, because Florida does run uh, a gaps a gap scheme uh, in, in terms of their blocking scheme. And you hear Tennessee's coaches since Saturday, especially Josh Heupel, talk about guys being out of their gaps, misfitting gaps, uh, and that led to missed tackles. That led to big splash plays for Florida in the running game. So uh, it, it seems like Billy Napier had a nice counter to what his offenses typically have on tape, and it maybe took a minute for Tim Banks to adjust to that. Um, and by that point, it was already – I mean, the the score was what it was at halftime. What was it 26-7? to seven? Uh, if if I remember correctly. So I, I thought that was interesting um, because I, I thought Tennessee would do well against Florida's rushing attack. I, I was not impressed with Florida's offensive line against Utah, but obviously having Kingsley back their center, that, that made a world of difference for them. They they just had an extra edge to them up front along the offensive line Florida did. And, and you could kind of see it in pregame with the way Kingsley was moving around and, and jumping around. He, he, he was kind of the energizer bunny for Florida, and, and that led to Florida finding success offensively. Uh, but aside from that, uh, I, I thought it boiled down to three things for me. And I'm sorry, but I'm not going to mention Joe Milton in any of these three areas. We, we can have a Joe Milton conversation. And, and that's not to say that I don't have Joe Milton concerns because I do. I just don't think he was the biggest issue on Saturday. To me, it was a line of scrimmage like we just talked about. More specifically, the offensive line. It was just flat out awful. There, there's no way to sugarcoat that. Uh, Joe was not able to to do his job to the best of his ability because he didn't have a ton of time to make plays. Uh, and the, the holes in the running game weren't there like we saw the first two weeks either. The missed tackles were obviously a, a huge issue. Uh, and some of those tackles were just pathetic. I mean, it's, it's really sad to hear Josh Heupel on a Monday say that some of those missed tackles were just simply poor effort. That, that should never happen. Should never happen. Uh, and then obviously the penalties, eight of the 10 on offense, several pre-snap penalties. I believe five were, were false starts. Uh, four different offensive linemen committed one. Uh, and then McCollin Castles also committed one. Just, you, you, you can't have that. And I, I don't know how you fix it, but the last three true road environments, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Tennessee has not handled the opposing crowd noise well. And Josh Heupel said yesterday that they practice it. But obviously, it needs to be hammered home even more uh, and emphasized even more. 
Uh, so he did say that they work on it, but it, it is different in a game, and, and they're going to have to figure out something to to correct that because it, it has not been pretty the last three road games at Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida. We got to handle hard better. It's what Duke's women's coach, Kara Lawson, um, famously preached to her team, and it went viral. Road environments are not supposed to be easy. They're supposed to be hard. Home environments are supposed to be easier. The crowd's cheering for you. We got to be able to handle crowds cheering against us better. We got to handle hard better. And we haven't done that in the last three um, true road games. Vanderbilt don't count. You know why. Um, we only had 22 first half plays. 22. We had 11 plays in the first quarter. So, Florida's offense did a good job of, of eating up the clock. And the way you eat up the clock is you convert on third downs. And Florida on third downs in the first quarter was six out of seven. That's insane. Six out of seven on, on third down conversions. Uh, in the second quarter, they were one for one. So in the first half, they were seven out of eight. Um, the the mind-numbing lack of um, awareness on third downs is is enough to drive you crazy if you're a coach, if you're a spectator, um, being out of position. The poor effort should never be an issue. See, as long as I've been doing this, man, I've always been um, a player's advocate. Um, I feel like this was my, my purpose to be able to share the perspective of, of student-athlete because you had a lot of guys – in the media for so long, and it's it's changing. You can kind of tell by how sports media has changed, especially at the professional level. It wasn't a lot of former players talking about the game enough. Not saying that people that don't play don't have really good insight and can't talk about the game because they can. And there's a lot of folks that haven't played that talk about the game better than people who did play. Um, but my approach has always been, hey, let's hear from the player's perspective. I'm not defending poor effort. Mm-mm. I'm not defending poor effort. You got a job to do. That's come here, represent your family, represent that last name on, on the back of your jersey, but how you handle your business, on off the football field. Um, if you play hard, but you have a bad game, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with you. Hey, man, you have a bad game. We all have bad games. Just give you all for Tennessee. But when that is in question, I'm not defending you. Effort should never be a, a question. And it shouldn't be tolerated by anybody on, on, on this football team. There are seniors on this football team that uh, need to be snatching other people up when they see that film. I'm sure they already saw it. I know they already saw it. Uh, and there, there's some seniors that also need to be to be snatched up. Oh yeah, for sure. I need to go ahead and take a seat and play some young guys. Um, I don't know what people who watch football expect when the offensive line is not able to provide protection. Uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back. 
I want to know the play. I, I want to know the play or series of plays that we can run because play call was play calling was certainly criticized. But I want to know from anybody listening, watching, please use the text box. I want to know what plays are we running with the performance of the offensive line on Saturday? Because play calling was called out. Oh, play calling was terrible. Oh, okay. Please share with me. Share with me. What are we running? What can we do? What can we do? That's what I want to know. We'll take our first break uh, of the morning. It's been McKee Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain live in the Low T Center studio. Do not go anywhere. Be right back. You're listening to The Swain Event. And you know this, man. Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men healthcare. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865 865- Two five seven seven eight nine seven, or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. Swain Event Fuel by Dead and Barbecue, Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant in America. Hope everyone is having a great day. Man, the weather is perfect. Oh, man. Oh, man. I can slide in some some yard work early Saturday morning before the game. And then Sunday, oh, man, it's going to be great. Because I won't be getting back to Knoxville at 3 a.m. like this past Sunday. Away night game. The weather is perfect, man. Enjoy it. Get out there. Get outside. Enjoy the beautiful weather. Ben, have have you thought about the question? 
And you play you play video games a lot, or used <laughs> to. I mean, you you have a you know great imagination. You're a really smart guy. You you've seen a lot of football in your life. Can can you share with me what, what plays you got? Give me the give me the Ben McKee play, but what what plays you got that we can run when the protection is not where it needs to be? And before you answer that, let me tell you share one thing with you right quick. Um go on my notes. You know how we watch film, Ben. You know how we watch film. Second possession for Tennessee. Um, we put Jalen Wright in motion to the left. We sent a linebacker or a defender that was responsible for Jalen Wright out of the box to follow Jalen Wright. Remember the first possession for Tennessee Jalen caught a um, swing pass to pick up a third down. First, pick up a first down on third down. It was a great pass. It was a great catch. It was just a great play. And so we give them the same motion. All right, we we send Jalen Wright in motion to the left. There's five defenders in the box. Five. And you know we run our wide splits. Five defenders in the box. We got five linemen, and we have a tight end. That's six on five, and we run a quarterback draw. Joe Milton maybe picked up a yard and a half. So what plays are we running, y'all? Ben. Ben McKee. Ben Thomas McKee. What plays are we running? I've got nothing for you. <laughs> it's it my my only I and, and also like I, I I will be the first to admit that I don't know anything about calling plays offensively, defensively. That's why I passed along what Cole Kublik shared, because he is far more educated and experienced to talk about this than me. You are far more experienced to talk about this than me. So I, I try to refrain from questioning play calling one way or the other offensive defensively because i that's not my thing uh and i would uh, i'm not i'm not going to sit here and pretend to talk about something that i don't know uh, the only time that i wondered about a play call in, in that florida game was the fourth and one play that that ended up being very controversial uh because the referee accidentally kicked the ball and then respotted and then allowed Florida to substitute. And like, I understand the aspect of in these short yardage situations that Tennessee is struggling with. If you execute better, it probably has a different result. But to me, that fourth and one. And yes, again, I recognize all the craziness that happened in conjunction with that play, but setting that aside and just strictly looking at the play, Everybody in that stadium knew Tennessee was about to try to run up the middle. Everybody. And it wasn't just a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat, five on five, block your guy. Florida brought the entire house and just absolutely collapsed on Tennessee's offensive front. And 
it it obviously went nowhere. That that was the only time that I kind of raised my eyebrow at a call because I, I felt like everybody and obviously Florida knew that Tennessee was gonna was gonna try and pound it inside because that's what Tennessee does in those short yardage situations. And also as I'm thinking a, a slight another one popped in my head. There are a couple times where I would have liked to have seen Tennessee get to the line of scrimmage on a fourth and one, a third and one, and, and s- sneak it with this quarterback that you have that looks like Hercules. Uh, instead of sitting there looking at the sideline for 20 seconds, allowing Florida to get settled, I would have preferred to see them get up to the line of scrimmage and, and snap it real quick and and use your quarterback that has all the physical attributes in the world. I, I think that would have been beneficial. So those were the only two times that I kind of raised my eyebrows. But uh, to your point, it, it's really, really hard to call plays when your offensive line isn't giving protection. It isn't giving Joe time to push the ball down the field and and you hit the nail on the head. I thought about this all game long about how you hit the nail on the head last week on the show discussing the offensive line and how you thought that that was the reason that they weren't pushing the football down the field. I I had a little too much optimism and was clearly wrong about that. Um, But you you hit the nail on the head. They're not able to push the ball down the field because the offensive line is not holding up. Man, I have no problem with you saying um, that everyone know, knew we were going to run the ball at the middle. I have no problem with you saying that. Uh, and maybe something different in hindsight would have been the correct decision. My response would be to you saying everyone knew what we were doing in the stadium, my response would be, so effing what? So what? Jerron Carver, Cooper Mays, Javante Spragans, last year, you know how many times people knew we were running the ball at the middle and did it anyways? So what? It's a yard. Who cares? Man versus man. Who's the lowest man? Who's the strongest? Who wants it more? That's what it comes down to on third down and one and fourth down and one. Who cares if you know where the play is going? That's the time to man up. If you a dog, be one. That's the time. When they know what you're doing, I want it more than you. All the times in the weight room, when you're doing power cleans, when you're doing squats, when you're bench pressing, and you're encouraged to give one more rep, you don't think you have any more left. One more, one more, and everyone's cheering you on. You got it. You got it. It's for that moment. I feel you. I, I really do. I, I agree with you. I just felt like in that moment, Florida brought too many for Tennessee to block. Like, I just simply thought that they were literally outmanned. Florida brought more numbers than Tennessee had to defend against in that moment. Now, on on a different short yard situation, we did get brought up to Brew who picked up picked up a first down in, in a Virginia game. Uh, we sent Brew in motion, faked it to him, and gave it to the running back and did not get the f- fourth down. It was a first fourth down attempt of the season. Uh, remember, that was when Virginia got the ball, missed the field goal. Um, we went for like on our own 30, 20-something yard line, whatever. But uh, there's times when they don't know what you're going to do. You still got to go pick up a yard. Uh, but listen, I have no problem with you questioning, questioning that play call. Um, The eye in the sky don't lie. You can see 
who's clawing, who's scratching, who's fighting, who is exhibiting strain. You can see it. I can see it. You can see it too. Number zero, no question about how bad number zero wants it. No question. No question about number 15. No question. I thought 10 ran his ass off. Smallest dude on the football field. I thought I thought ten played with some heart, man. I, I really I really did. Um, I, I'm proud of how number nine bounced back. How how excited were you watching that release at the line of scrimmage on on his touchdown? I mean, that thing was a was a great. thing of beauty. It's a great release. It made Joe's job that that much easier. Um, a good question here on the text box. Slide dog. Can the tight ends be used more or not enough? Time 10 yards up the middle. Remember, we tried to throw the ball to a tight end. We faked it to the running back. We got exactly what we wanted. Linebackers sucked in, and we threw it, and they tipped it. Why didn't we go back to that? I don't know. But we did try it. Joe had square white up the seam, I think, for a touchdown on, on the sack interception. Y'all, the person that hit Joe beat two Tennessee offensive linemen. I don't care if the dude's 400 pounds or not. We got two dudes with 300 pounds. Last time I checked, two times 300 pounds is more than 400 pounds. But he hit Joe as Joe was throwing, and that was interception. Yeah, he didn't throw it straight up into the air like everybody was making it seem like. I mean, Joe's. Excuse when me. has Joe ever done whoa, that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can say a lot about whoa. Joe's quarterback play. Man. People <laughs> thought he just threw it straight in the air? Yeah, that's what the reaction seemed like to me. Uh, people were just absolutely irate he with Joe hit. on that particular play. And with Joe? Like, yeah, that was the social media reaction and, and the message board reaction within the moment. Very, very upset with, with Joe. Um, it, it was like people assumed that he, he threw the ball that way on purpose, and it's like he he got he got hit. Now, I I have a hard time believing that ball was going to be completed because Florida did have two DBs running side by side with Squirrel Mm-mm. on that play down Mm-mm. the seam. One, but I I trust Squirrel to have a step on those guys and. and I mean, Squirrel's one of the fastest players in the country. He's going to eventually have a step on those guys at some point within that route. And at worst, it's an it's an arm punt. It's a long incompletion that maybe Joe overthrows. There was there was a safety that was facing Joe. There was a corner that was trying to run on the side of Squirrel, but Squirrel had by a step. The DB that was running with Squirrel was on Squirrel's right side. If the safety is looking at Joe, you are not able to run with Squirrel. And so would the pass been completed? I don't know. But Squirrel was running full speed. Like Squirrel had hit another gear. And right. he was he was gonna be open. Um it 
the question would be, all right, the flight of the football, would it be enough for Squirrel to be able to run underneath or would Squirrel have to kind of fade um, to the sideline or will he have to you know, curve more to the middle of the football field? That was the only question. But Squirrel had that dude beat. It was opening yeah. up. It was opening up big time. That would have been a big play uh, for Tennessee. But it wasn't the bad decision that everybody made it out to be on, on Joe's end. No, like, I, bad decision. like you're just, you're, you're just, you're, you're blaming the quarterback just to blame the quarterback in that particular situation. It, it wasn't a terrible decision to throw the football where he was throwing the football. Uh, and earlier within squirrels route, I mean, he was open and Joe was trying to get him the football and he couldn't step into his throw because he had Florida defenders right in his face and, and hitting him like that. The decision-making is is not something that Joe is struggling with. It's maybe some other areas that we can talk about after a break or a little later on. Again, not trying to insinuate that Joe's playing perfect football or playing the, the football that this team needs him to, but in terms better. of pure decision-making, like he's making good decisions. Yeah, he can play better. Let's go to the phones. 865-255-03. Uh, good morning. Hey, y'all. It's Russ. Hey, Rusty. What's up, y'all? What's up? Um, I know you're the busiest man on earth, and, and Ben's probably the second. But you guys are the best two things going when y'all are together talking football and giving us knowledge and calmness and wisdom and all the things that this fan base needs to be hearing. We need y'all back together more. More and more and more, and I know you, I'm, I'm not trying to complain. I'm just saying you guys are the best. I appreciate that, Russ. Yeah. Um, everybody else out there is pretenders compared. Um, what I see, what I saw the other day, what I saw watching it again, which is pain, was painful to do, and what I think you're saying is we couldn't beat them when we had the numbers in our favor. And that's what the whole Josh Heupel offense is about. It's about getting numbers in your favor. It's getting numbers in our favor that they put more guys to stop the run than they want to, and then we have the numbers to throw. Mm -hmm. And then it's about getting them to spread out and spend more, use more guys covering so they can't stop the run, mm -hmm. and then being able to use the numbers in your favor. And we couldn't do the opposite. Although I think we did, I, I saw it somewhere, somebody graded it out, that they blitzed Joe eight times, and on those eight blitzes, he was seven of eight. Mm -hmm. so it seems like that. that's maybe yeah first first possession yeah. they play they play man and we we yeah. burned them on a switch route with squirrel wide up the sideline uh and then yeah. we got out of that and started playing more too high safety they was rotating a, a safety down on the snap of the football but they got out of that real quick rusty yep yep, yep. and that tells me that the issue was when they brought extra pressure joe was able to joe was able to beat the numbers in the secondary when they played soft we weren't able to beat the numbers in the box and run the ball at them, which that's all the line deficiencies that we're, that we're dealing with. Like you said, we had six on five on the quarterback draw when it went for a yard and a half. I'm, I, I, I see the play over and over in my head numerous times. That it you know what I'm talking about, Rusty? Yes. Yeah, yeah, second possession. Yeah. I saw yep, it. First it quarter, blew my mind. First quarter, second possession. Yep, yep. It, baffling. How, how, how do you not win that battle? Um in anyway, um, I want to ask you guys something, and I, I'm not a ref guy, 
but and this isn't a Tennessee centric thing. This isn't a Tennessee centric thing. Um, I think across the country, after three and a half weeks of football, there's there's more um, more contact being allowed in the secondary across the board. I, I noticed it in games last weekend, and then I noticed it in the game leading up to Irish between Missouri and K State, and then in our game. It seems like defenders are allowed to be getting their hands on and tugging and pulling and grasping and clutching and stuff that has ever happened. It seems like in the past, I'm always like, God, third and eighth brutal because there's a flag being thrown every time for somebody for a, for a slight defensive holding, and now it's just being let go. Is there is there a directive out there you believe to let more contact in the secondary go on? I, th- I think officiating has been um, piss poor. In the first oh yeah weeks. across I mean, yeah across across the board and yeah um, you know in, in particular the Florida Tennessee game that was that was that was bad the the call on McCollum Castles um, oh was was yeah that that I mean egregious man to like the the tenth <laughs> degree um, the scrum at the end of the game I mean where's the flags like we gonna you gonna wait to the SEC office watch the film like y- y'all couldn't see what was going on. Um, I thought the two coaches uh, did not handle that situation well with the, with the timeouts and led to that. But I thought the officiating was was uh, it was god awful, man. It was god awful. I saw holding on on Pierce on Tyler Barron. We saw Romero getting his jersey pulled. Um, as a player, you got to play through it. You can't rely on the, the, the officials to bail you out. But my goodness, man, it, it was bad. It was real bad. Yeah, the uh, couple things on the officiating. Uh, the Kansas thing is, is the worst call of the day, and then the same thing happened in the Colorado Colorado State game. The blindside block is, is hilariously being misofficiated. Um, I, I believe the secondary thing, the, the allowed to touch in the, in the secondary, is a directive because flags in the secondary that, that extend drives make games last longer. And I believe that the, the whole less plays, more commercials is factoring into flags not being thrown in the secondary. I think officials have been talked to about. It's got to be egregious for us to call pass interference or defensive holding. That that's just a thought. I don't. I, Gina Gina the Great is actually trying to go back last year and chart how many defensive secondary penalties there were as opposed to this year through three weeks and, and see if because we both believe that it's drastically less now across college football. Um, the uh, the the operation of the end of the ball game. Um, Mertz, uh, you were there. I don't know. Did did we take a snap to kneel on the ball after their fourth down play? Or did yeah, they when, the game? when everybody had to come back out of the locker room at the thinking the game was over, we we took the ball and took a knee. But okay, but, okay, yeah. that's that's the correct operation because on TV it, we, we went to Colorado, Colorado State, and I was like, there, there's four seconds left. Mertz took a knee. We should be called for maybe a personal foul, but we still get the ball and have to take a knee. Yeah, yeah. But of course. ESPN was was covered their self in glory just as much as the officials did. Hey man, I don't blame them for wanting to get to the Colorado Colorado State game. It's true, possible, true. But it was already on ESPNU. I mean, there's enough of those ESPN channels right now that we don't have to switch ball games anymore. Be worried about one ending overlap. Rusty, I didn't want to watch the end of the game, (laughs) and I was there. (laughs) (laughs) Turn that game, man. Turn that game to Colorado Colorado State. Right. Uh, well, again, thanks for all y'all do. And and this fan base needs more more of Swain and more of Ben. I appreciate y'all it, Russ. I appreciate it. I yep. appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Rusty. Thank you for the for the phone call. Um 
Oh boy. I don't have I don't have a problem with um hitting grand marks. Either take a knee or don't. You you want to take a knee and 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 dance around and prance around and, and play games. Play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. I have no and problem it, with that. It wasn't an egregious hit either. No, no. Like if it would have been an egregious hit, then okay, that's one thing. But if if you want to dance around and and whatnot, then I, I don't I don't necessarily mind the I, I have a bigger issue with Hypo taking the timeout than I do Amari hitting Grand Mertz in, in that situation. Yeah, both of them call timeout. And I and I know like trying to avoid the delay game, but the game is over. You could have took the delay game and and, and hit hit the knee. But he called uh, Bill Napier called timeout, Hypo called timeout, and that's that's what led to um what happened. And now both teams have players suspended and the coaches can look at themselves, both of them. I think both of them are in the wrong. All right, we're going to take a quick break. 865-255-03. Big thanks for the phone call, Rusty. Again, 865-255-03 is our telephone number. Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Hey, Knoxville, we all know the importance of mental health. Most people don't have regular mental health care. They often wait. Let's change that. Isn't it time we all consider our mental health as important as our physical health? If you are ready, Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. We are accessible, affordable, and available. You are worth it. Visit mindbodyknoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment today. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey, Vol Nation. This is Charlie Pratt, financial representative with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. Modern Woodman has been touching lives and securing futures for 140 years. Being born and raised here in East Tennessee, I'm honored to help East Tennesseans in all phases of life with retirement planning, investments, and life insurance. A big win on Saturday starts with preparation early in the week. A secure financial future starts with planning today. Contact my office today at 865-919-6468 to review your financial plan and make sure you are on track for success. As always, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain Event app. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. Swain Event Hotline. I'm live in the Low T Center Studio. Ben McKee, Go Falls two four seven. Hope you are having a wonderful morning. Hey, the sun still came out. 
this morning, just like it did on Sunday, just like it did on Monday. Knoxville still operating. Knoxville is still taking people that want to be Tennesseans. Knoxville's still open, open for business. So, Ben, if, if you want to move to Knoxville, what do the good people need to do, Ben? They need to reach out to Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams Realty. She is the absolute best. She is the GOAT of all realtors all over the country, in fact, but especially here in Knoxville. She is the absolute best. Uh, and, and the best part of about Jennifer is, is she's highly intelligent of, of what she's doing, obviously. But the, the best part is how she cares genuinely uh, cares a tremendous amount about you and, and your family's experience going through the home buying process. And uh, and she worries about it constantly, just trying to make sure that you enjoy the process. And, and she worries about making it as easy and simple of a process for you as she can. So uh, if you're looking to move to Knoxville, which you should do, because the more and more I travel around the SEC, Swain, and you'll soon realize this, the more you appreciate East Tennessee. I already have a great appreciation for East Tennessee, but when I have to go spend like two nights in North Florida, boy, does it give me an even greater appreciation for East Tennessee in the Knoxville area. So if you're looking to move up here, which you should be doing, be sure to reach out to Jennifer Morris of Keller Williams Realty. And she just texted me and said, if, if you need to get out of Florida, just call her. Man, I'm going to go to the phones, boy. You ain't never lie about what you just said, sir. 865-255-03. Good morning. Uh, who do we have with us? Hey, good morning, guys. This is uh, Coy and Macon. What's up, Coy? What's up, guys? Hope y'all doing all right this morning. You too. Hey, um, I got a few things that uh, I wanted to ask, and then I'll just hang up, get out of the way, and let y'all do your thing. One, on uh, Joe Milton, um, you know, to me, his, like, in the play, in the, I guess you say, in-game play, um, I think he looks good, man. I mean, definitely good enough. Uh, the thing that concerns me is maybe pre-stop decisions. You know, like Florida was getting that too high safety look, then they walk a safety down late, and this, you know, cost us a couple of timeouts. Uh, wanted to get y'all's thoughts on that. And I think y'all talked about this earlier. I had to run my little girl into daycare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the interception that he threw um, – did he? You couldn't really tell on TV. He did he have a guy open? I, th- I think Ben on his two four seven podcast said that he was throwing into double coverage. But then now maybe y'all saying that somebody was open. No, Square was coming. And then my lap, he was coming. He was, yeah, okay. he would have. He would have been open. Square was running past uh, the safety who had his chest uh, parallel to the line of scrimmage, and so there's no way you can backpedal and run with a dude especially the squirrel speed when he's running straight at you. So that ball would have been launched over the safety's head um, up that seam and squirrel would have had a chance to make it, make a play. But I, I wouldn't say it was double coverage, but I understand, you know, why Ben said that. Um, but we, we like that matchup as a, as a wide receiver and as a quarterback, you know, you have the safety looking at you and then you have um, a DB on your, on your right hip. You, you, you throw that. Yeah, you you throw right. that and you let Squirrel go 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 get it, but um, you gotta have time to do that, and he did not have enough time. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Man, my last thing is just moving forward, you know, it's, it seems like the team's got to really come together, um, you know, like you were talking about on the uh, Josh and Swain yesterday and move forward. But, man, like being on a team like this, you know, something I've never experienced. I mean, if you can't get up for that Florida game, man, how how do you do it moving forward? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe – I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's safe to say that the team wasn't ready to play, wasn't – wasn't fired up. I mean, how, how do you make that change in season? What does that look like? I mean, is it possible? I wouldn't say, Coy. Uh, and thanks for the phone call, man. It's good to hear from you. And uh, and that, that made my heart happy. You telling us you're dropping your kid off for of daycare, man. Ain't nothing like those those moments. But um, I wouldn't say that the team wasn't up to play. I mean, I'm on the sideline right there, warm ups. Uh, I'm watching guys. I'm watching to see. Who's ready? Who's not ready? Like the energy, um, there was there was there was a good energy when we went to the locker room during warmups. Uh, we came out, um, we did a good job holding on defense. We would go down and we score, great energy on the sideline. But then Florida came and punched back, and when that happened, we started making mistakes and beating ourselves, pre-snap penalties. Um, penalties on defense, hitting the quarterback late. like um, That's inexperience and lack of football intelligence, you know, those those type of plays. We got older players making some of those plays too, which if that continues, they need to be relieved of their duties for the young players. But like, I wouldn't say we wasn't ready to play. I just would say we didn't do a good job of responding to early adversity. And... Football is about three phases. It ain't just one. Like, the offense, yeah, it could be great if your defense is a little bit behind. You could go in a lot of games. But you still, at the same time, it's a complimentary game. And we didn't play complimentary football at all because our defense didn't do the greatest job in the first half, but came back and did a great job in the second half. But when they did do a great job, we still could not generate touchdowns. So the defense did their job in the second half. Offense just had an all-around rough night, but you have to play together. Now, uh, I don't want to nitpick here because I think sometimes we do that uh, – when we are listening to players and coaches talk after a football game where for 60 minutes, emotions are running high. And to be honest, who wants to talk about the performance they just had? That was, that was a losing performance. Like who wants to talk? So I do have grace when I'm listening to guys talk after the game. I really do. Um, And I'll be the first one to tell you when people are wanting to point the finger at Joe Milton first, nah. Nah. Mm Mm-mm. It ain't on Joe first. Can Joe play better? Yeah, he can play better. Does he need to play better? Absolutely. It's to play better. But 
sitting there and just blaming Joe. I just, I said it last week. I'll say it again. It's inaccurate and it's lazy. So lazy. It's 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 lazy. Um, but Joe was asked after the game. about moving forward and what this team needs to do. And uh, again, like I'm not nitpicking. I'm not ripping Joe for saying this. But he said, it's all about if we come together or we're going to separate. And when I said on Joshua Swain yesterday, is there is no or. <laughs> it's like, there's no or. Like, when you experience what you experienced on Saturday and you are upperclassmen and you, or you got pride, they know or. You ain't, separating is not an option. Mm-mm. You, you burn the ships. You burn the ships. One country or group traveling by a ship to invade another country and they're land and they they touch down. You burn the ships. There's only one option. That's to win. That's to become victorious. That is to conquer the enemy. There's no or if we celebrate, uh, separate. No. I'm a junior. I'm a senior. I'm a sophomore. I'm a freshman. Whatever. I put work in. We, we're going to figure this out. We're not going to lose because of effort on missed tackles. We're not going to lose because of boneheaded plays. If we lose, it's because you just better than me. But you ain't going to play harder than me. And you're not going to play smarter than me moving forward. That's what everybody can control. Again, I'm not nitpicking on Joe. I'm not picking on Joe. But there should be no or. Because if the offense line don't get fixed, if you make the same mistakes you made against Florida moving forward, Guys, we're going we're to lose a whole lot more than two or three games. So, um, we got we to gotta handle that. 865-255-03. And, and I do think one thing about Joe, publicly, he is optimistic and quick to the point just, just for the sake of, of being quick to the point. I, I think that's kind of how he masks, masks how things went in the game and, and kind of yeah. covers up. When speaking, if that makes sense, yeah, you know, who, who wants to talk some... after that crap? I get it. Correct. I'm, I'm with you, Joe. <laughs> I mean, Aaron Beasley spoke and was clearly unhappy. And good. There's a the debate about one of of his answers to a question I asked him. Yeah, I don't know if he would. I don't even know if he understood the answer or even. I don't. I, it was weird to be honest. I'm not taking up yeah. more. I don't. I don't know. Uh, it it was a weird weird. Aaron answer. Beasley has since 
per Tennessee, has since said he did not understand the question and he should have in that moment uh, asked me to ask it again because he did not understand it in the moment. Gotcha. But I I haven't really spoken publicly about it because I, I don't want to go in on that comment if he truly did not understand it, uh, which, which it is very possible. I mean, he sat there and pondered for a moment. And he either pondered because he was pondering whether or not to give the real answer or he was pondering because he didn't understand what I was asking. Uh, and for those who did not see, I asked Aaron because Josh Hypo had just said that they were undisciplined. I asked Aaron if with the way training camp went is them being undisciplined against Florida on the road surprising to him. He took a moment before answering. He said no. So either he pondered because he was debating on whether or not to tell the truth or he truly did not understand w- what I was asking. Uh, so it, I, I have not. This is honestly the first time I've talked about it on, on social media or a message board or or any form of, of audio, just because I, I don't want, I don't want to hammer home something if, if he truly did not understand uh, what I was asking. But uh, to Koi Macon's call, Swain, and his point about Joe, that's kind of where where I'm at with Joe Milton and and not kind of that's exactly where I'm at with Joe Milton I actually think he's playing well physically I don't think he's playing well mentally I I hope that makes sense and and it's and it's more the the pre-snap mental side of things because we talked about it earlier he's making decisions good decisions post-snap which part of that is pre-snap and in terms of recognizing the coverage understanding where you probably need to go with the ball when the ball is snapped. And then once the ball is snapped, confirming what you saw pre-snap and executing the play. But it's just, it's the offense is clunky. It's labored. It's typically always been this way under Joe. And, and no, he can't control an offensive lineman jumping or, 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 you know, the offense as a whole being lined up incorrectly. And I guess I'm more so speaking about the offensive lineman jumping but it's it's just become a common theme with Joe as quarterback that there are pre-snap penalties and the the tempo is not where it has been the last two years that we've become accustomed to under Josh Heupel with Hendon Hooker at quarterback. Personally, I think that is maybe a lack of trust in Joe. I, I think they are, are really trying to slow down and, and make sure that they're getting the, the play in. That's my outlook on things i could be totally wrong on that but are you are can you say the same thing for vanderbilt and clemson last year when joe was starting quarterback and cooper was a center i did not feel this way about clemson no uh vanderbilt vanderbilt's vanderbilt i mean but but operating offense still operating offense with precision no matter the you know from a tempo standpoint getting the guys lined up and pre-snap uh no i i i did not feel this way I, i felt this way about joe uh, when he was first the starting quarterback in, in 2021 and then through these first three games this season. It, it, it's just, it's labored, it, it's clunky, it, it doesn't feel like guys are doing what they need to do, where guys need to be, that the tempo is not what it's been. And I, I think that's, that, that's partly on Joe. It, it just, I, I don't, I don't like the the execution of the offense. I don't think he's operating the offense at the highest level possible. I think when it comes time to make a throw, he's doing a fairly decent job there. It's just 
operating this offense at the efficient level that that Josh Heupel wants it to, I, I don't know that he's doing that. I center fake snap the football during the Florida game. I mean, I get what you're saying. I do think if we're if we can't say the same things happen when Cooper, Jerome Carvin, Javante Spragans, Darnell Wright, um, Jeremiah Crawford was your offensive line in in the two games. Other two games were Milton started. I think it's hard to to kind of point the the finger at Joe. And I'll give you an example. So like there's a lot of chords and technology up in here. Um speaking of that, internet just went out. Um and I'll just keep going. There's a lot of chords and technology up in here. And being Lost being two, but I'll just keep going because we are recording. And when one thing doesn't work, you have to troubleshoot. Is it this? Is it that? All right, let's let's change this. All right, let's see if that makes a difference. So to make it easy for those that all can identify, let's say. Your, your your cell phone, you plug in your cell phone and your, your cell phone's not working. It's not charging. So what is it? Is it the phone? Is it the charging block? Or is it the cord? Well, what do you do? Change a block. And then you plug it back in. And let's say it's still not charging. Well, all right. Well, let's keep keep the block, but now let's change the cord. And but it's charging. The conclusion is, well, maybe it's a cord. Maybe it's a cord that needs to be replaced. I look at Joe Milton kind of the same way with his offensive line. And again, I think Joe Milton needs to play better. But I think his play is affected by other people not doing their job too. And if they did a better job, then he would do a better job. There are times when you still got to do a better job when other guys are not doing their job. There's, There's times when you still have to do that. And there's times when, all right, everyone's jobs is everyone's doing their job, although you are caught off guard because you're so used to having pressure, you're so used to to not having that time. But what do you do when you do have that time? Well, you gotta hit. You gotta hit the receiver. You gotta hit the target. You gotta you gotta make a throw. That's that's catchable. You know, we overthrew a pass to Romel Keaton off on a go route. Romero had a step, but we got to we got to hit that one. When you do have the time, you got to hit it, and that's tough. Sometimes for a quarterback to have that pressure on them, but that's 
that's not tough for a senior quarterback that have pro aspirations. That might be tough on a freshman quarterback to ask him to do that, but that's not tough to ask for a senior quarterback. So we got to make that happen. 865-255-03. Be right back. All right, Ben McKee. <laughs> oh, boy. Woo! Lord, Lord, Lord. That was a test this morning. Testing my my patience and my nerves this morning, Ben McKee. But we passed it, man. We uh, good to go. Wow. Wow. So got everything handled with um, Comcast. Actually, man, the guy who helped me. It was awesome, man. Appreciate that. Uh, but not not the funnest experience there. But we, we're back, and um, we're going to give you what you signed up for with this program. And we understand how important today is for a lot of people who are believers in this show um, that wait to listen to this show um, after a game like Saturday. We know you've been been waiting on this show and our opinions and uh, not going to shortchange you just because you know, Comcast had had their issues. But uh, we fixed that. We're good to go. And uh, we're going to keep rolling, man. I, I got Josh and Swain at 12 o'clock. Um, I'm going to give y'all what, what you signed up for. Uh, owe that to you. And so – we're going to do that, Ben. Um, and if Ben has to run, we're still going to go. So, uh, Ben, if you're good, let's let's continue. I know we were talking about, you know, Joe Milton and, and, and all that good stuff, uh, operation of the offense. And um, I, I, think, I think it's time to kind of transition to what everyone has, has kind of been talking about. It's kind of the, the elephant in the room. Uh, I think it's – it's not, it's not just Tennessee fans that do this. I think every football fan base does this when um, the quarterback is not operating as you think they should. I think the automatic response from most of the fans is change the quarterback. Change the quarterback. Change the quarterback. We've done this long enough. We've experienced this before at at Tennessee with with quarterback play. Um, to know that this is this is an ongoing conversation right now within certain segments of the fan base. Ben, when you are seeing some of the comments about changing the quarterback and, and going to 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 Nico. What are your thoughts? I'll let you go and I'll, and I'll share mine. I think that those thoughts are premature. I think it is too early to make that decision with Joe Milton. And as I was saying before Comcast rudely interrupted, <laughs> I, I I feel like Joe is physically playing the position well right now. I, I don't think he's playing the position well mentally. Uh, just However you want to slice it up, the offense just has not been running efficiently 
this season, and the offense looks much different than it has the past two seasons under Josh Heupel. And I'm not at all saying that it's all on Joe Milton, but at the end of the day, he is the conductor. He he is the one that that makes it go, and ultimately he has full responsibility uh, of the offense, and it just looks different. So uh, I I wonder how he is operating the offense in the minds of the coaches. Obviously, they are going to say some things publicly, um, but I thought Josh Hypo alluded to, to what I am saying yesterday in his press conference uh, by saying that Joe is doing some good things and he, he's making good decisions. Uh, th- here's the exact answer instead of me trying to paraphrase. There's some real positives. The efficiency, the communication, handling all that, we have to be better. And that's kind of my point. Is And he was asked directly, how would you assess Joe Milton's performance after you went back and watched the tape? Said there were some positives. And then said the efficiency, the communication, handling all of that, we have to get better. And he also threw in there that the guys up front have to be better. Skill guys have to be better. Uh, later on, he made a comment uh, about Joe's accuracy needing to continue to improve. Mm. Also said that receivers being exact in their routes also need to improve. So uh, not at all trying to put all the blame on Joe, but that is where I do have my concerns with Joe mm-hmm. is, to use Heupel's words, the efficiency, the communication, handling all of those things that we saw Hendon Hooker handle at a very, very, very high level and uh, was probably Hendon's best skill trait, in in my opinion, uh, not to take away his ability as simply a football player, but I, I thought the the IQ, uh, I, I thought that was the best part of, of Hendon's game. And, and I also, I, I wonder how Joe's teammates are responding to him. Uh, and and I'm, I'm trying to choose my words carefully because I don't want to make it something that it's not or, or insinuate things that I'm not trying to insinu- insinuate. But I do wonder if how loosey-goosey <laughs> Joe is at times, how, how his teammates respond to that. I'm glad you I'm glad you said what you said. You mentioned – I was waiting for you to mention Hendon Hooker because that's who Joe's compared to. That's who has been the quarterback here at Tennessee since Josh Heupel's been here. It's Hendon Hooker. So we're comparing Joe to Hendon Hooker. Hendon was great. Hendon was a Heisman Trophy frontrunner at one point. Um, Would have been in New York if it wasn't for his injury. So we're comparing Joe to to Hendon. Fair or unfair, that's, that's what it is. I think that's some of it. I do think Joe has not been as good as he needs to be at um, run, running the offense. I think that's a fair statement uh, to make, 100%, man, 100%. I agree with you about the premature talks of going with a, a, a different quarterback. Um, and and here's here's why folks. And I'll be honest, I don't I don't really care who the quarterback is. I just I just want to I just want to win. I don't, I don't care who the quarterback is. But there's been some talk. And the talk has just been 
Put Nico in. Put Nico in. Put Nico in. Put Nico in. And I just want to give you something to think about. Because I've been through this as a player. <laughs> like I've been through quarterback changes as a player when I was a wide receiver. I've seen this play out doing what I do now multiple times under multiple coaches. Question that I have for you. If you put Nico in, do you think the offense will run efficiently and that much better right then? And don't say, well, you don't know unless you put him in the game. Guys, you got to do it in practice. You got to do it in practice. So if you don't feel like everything around Joe is in place and everybody's doing their job around Joe and the quarterback is the only position that's holding this offense back, why do you think changing the quarterback is going to give you different results? Number one. Number two. You want to put Nico back there behind this offensive line? My my only thought, the only positive that I think possibly putting Nico in, and again, I'm not at all making this move unless things really get out of hand against South Carolina and, and Texas A&M, and then even with that, you want Nico's first start to, to be against Alabama and, and Tuscaloosa and Brian Denny Stadium, maybe after you watched Alabama pee down their leg against USF over the weekend and, and play with zero effort. Um, because they did not like the change at quarterback that that Nick Saban decided to make. But uh, I, I do think that maybe Nico could create more plays for the offense by getting out of the pocket, extending plays, throwing on the run. Uh, granted, we have not seen him do it in a game. I, I recognize that. But it, it does feel like that is, that is something that is missing in, in this offense right now, that uh, it, it became a luxury to have with, with Hendon the, the last year and a half, his ability to extend plays, uh, get down the field a, as a runner, or also get out of the pocket and throw on the run. Uh, Vince Ferrara, your coworker over there at the Animal, uh, he, he mentioned yesterday, I believe, I believe I'm, I'm getting this stat exactly correct, but Joe has not thrown a touchdown while out of the pocket. And, and kind of extending a play on the run. And, and, and not that that is a necessity, um, but again, I, I do think that's something that helped Tennessee's offense the last year and a half with Hendon. And, and it, it seems like that's something that Nico could provide. But also on the flip side of that, I think that would be the positive of Nico. On the flip side, I think the decision-making that Josh Heupel continues to praise Joe Milton for you're not going to get that consistent decision making that Joe is providing. I mean, Joe's he he finally has an interception at Tennessee. He's not putting the ball at risk when he is throwing the football uh, and throwing it into to heavy coverage or or something along those lines. That's typically where a freshman does struggle. Um, are, are you going to put Nico back in this in this offensive line uh, behind this offensive line? Is a question. Uh, you mentioned being able to, to create and go on a run. Well, are you prepared every passing play to put Nico on the run? Uh, and these are just questions. Um, 
that I feel like you have to ask yourself. From a management of the offense standpoint, because everyone thinks it's just snapping the football, handing it off, or just throwing it. But they are checks at the line of scrimmage that has to be made based on what the defense is doing. Is Nico ready to do that? Is Nico ready to change the play? Is he ready to change it from a run to a pass, or from a pass to a run based on the amount of, of players in the box defensively? Um, if you make a change, you do understand you can't just go back to Joe. You can't pull a saving. You, you can't go back and forth. Like, once you make a change, the change has to be for the rest of the season. So, is it too early to just to make a change? Assuming that you're going to get more offensive production, even though it has started with the offensive line? I'm not saying people are wrong for wanting Nico. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is there are some questions you have to ask yourself. I don't think it's time to do that. But I understand that most Tennessee fans and most college football fans, they don't have the experience that I have going through it as a player with uh, coaching changes, excuse me, uh, quarterback changes. And seeing it how I see it now. So, like, I'm not going to sit here and go, you're you're bad, you're wrong, you're not a VFL, you're not a real fan for wanting better play offensively because some people just point at the quarterback. And I'm here to tell you that it's more than the quarterback, that the quarterback is not even top three reasons why we didn't win that game on Saturday. Here's something that is worth monitoring. And Ben, you mentioned it at the end of your point. This is worth monitoring. Because I went through this as a receiver. And this is why you have to have a pulse of your football team. In 2005, we elected not to name Rick Clawson the starting quarterback to start the season, although it was obvious he should have been the starter because the offense responded to him better than any other quarterback during that competition, during the fall, during fall camp. It was obvious who physically was better, but it was blatantly obvious who the offense responded to, who the team responded to. And if you are the coach, you cannot deny it. You cannot ignore it. My point is, Joe needs to do a really good job of making sure that his team is still responding to him. His offense is still responding to him. He's leading the right way. Not only are you saying the right things, but more importantly, you're doing the right things. You're backing up what you're saying. Because the thing about Hendon, and Hendon was really good with his legs and he was accurate and all that good stuff, but Hendon's greatest attribute was that people followed Hendon. People believed in Hendon. 
People rode for Hendon. That was Hendon's biggest trait here in Tennessee was his leadership and his ability to lead. Not by just talking about it, but by doing it, living in the complex. And I'm saying all these things about Hendon, not to say that Joe doesn't do those things or he's whatever. Like, I'm just letting you know what it means to have your teammates follow you. I think the the moment where the team is not responding to a quarterback and you're not having the results on offense because of that player, while everything else on offense is operating, that's when you got to make a serious decision about making a change. And I don't think we're there yet. No. I don't think we're and, there and, yet. And no, I completely agree. And I know I kind of spoke about Nico there at length for a moment. And and that's not to suggest that I am entertaining the idea. I, I just do think that is something that this Tennessee offense right now is missing that it had the last year and a half under Hendon since Hendon became the, the starting quarterback. Was, well, was yeah. that Joe, Joe's not, to, Joe, Joe does have that, that, that skill set. Like he's not, no. he's not really fleet of foot uh, horizontal. He's not, he's not quick like that in the pocket. That, like that, and that's okay. But right. like, that's not him. When he gets going, he can outrun people, but right. being really quick in the pocket, making guys miss, being real sudden, like how Dobbs was, um, Hendon was, like that's not Joe's game. And and, that, and that's okay. That just means that he has to be a quick decision maker. He has to have protection up front, and guys need to be in the right place at the right time when he's ready to throw it. Like that just means other things have to be you know, in place. It's right. hard to find dudes like Hendon. And Nico could be Hendon physically even better. He's actually more gifted physically to Hendon at this stage of his career. But mentally, I don't know if Nico was ready right now. And and that's why I I'm I wouldn't be there if I was Josh Heifel. I just think no. it's way and, too and, and also to add one little quick point on to what you're saying about extending plays. I also don't think Joe necessarily throws well while on the run, making those off-platform throws. At least we haven't really seen him do it at a high level or, or even a consistent uh, that level. Throw, he made Dante Thornton last weekend was pretty dang accurate. Yeah, but then he also has the maybe, – maybe the better way to phrase it is he doesn't do it well consistently because he also had Brew in the end zone and, and completely misfired – in that game as well. That's fine. So yep. uh, I, I'm not considering making a change until I see Joe throwing the football like Kenny Pickett was last night on Monday Night Football to, to where he is staring down receivers and, and throwing it into double and, and triple coverage and throwing it right to guys and, and, and just making decisions and, and, and making throws that are just totally inexcusable. Uh, also, like Jalen Milrow, I, I said it earlier uh, about how Alabama did not respond well to Jalen Milrow being benched, and, and I was kind of surprised how quickly they pulled the trigger on Jalen. But they pulled the trigger on Jalen, which it's it's pretty clear now, in my opinion, that Jalen is is the best quarterback in that room right now, the best man for the job at, at the moment. Um, but the reason he got pulled is because of those two interceptions against Texas 
were just absolutely awful. Mm. To where, I mean, how do you not see the linebacker? He's sitting there right in front of your intended target, and you just throw the football right to him. I mean, it, it, it's inexcusable at, at any level of football, even in high school. So uh, until Joe starts doing things like that to where he is staring down receivers, throwing it right to a linebacker that's clearly in front of the intended target or, or throwing into to double, triple coverage consistently, uh, putting the ball at, at risk, making turnover-worthy throws, you're not going to see, I don't think, Heupel and the coaching staff make a change, and uh, that that is something that that typically a freshman doesn't have. So you, I'm not making a decision to to change quarterbacks until I see them do that. Yeah, it's, and you. I know that the coaching staff isn't going to do it. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm gonna get to the phones. Um, apologize for the hole there. Uh, good morning. It's still morning. Good morning. What's up? Who we who we uh, have the pleasure of speaking to? Dave Tona. Dave Tona. What's up? What's going on? Been a long time. Yeah, man. Hope you're well, man. What you got on your mind this morning? Oh man, it's first of all, I want to say uh, go Steelers. Uh, secondly, man, I will tell you what, what was supposed to be the strengths of this this year's team? It's you know it's. I am so tired of us making Florida look better than they look than they are. Taking some heat down here, fellas. Yep. I know you are. All Tennessee fans of Florida are. So what what was supposed to be our strength? Because I don't see it. Um, you're supposed to have um experience and depth at, at wide receiver. Um you're supposed to have um a quarterback that returns with a lot of experience that's coming off a uh, really good performance in, a, in an orange bowl. You're supposed to have more depth uh, at the defensive line and more talent, uh, more depth and talent at linebacker and more, more depth and talent in, in the secondary. Uh, I think those were, were the highlights uh, strengths. There was questions at certain positions like they are with any team. Uh, when you have new faces, things like that. So, you know, tackles were, were questioned. Guard was a question because you had to replace Ron Carvin. Uh, running back group, more experience, more talent. So, I mean, yeah, there was a lot of strengths coming in to this f- football season, Dave Tona. Our number one thing that we need to fix, fix currently is that the offensive line. Correct. Number one. That's what I see. That's what I see. And I well, do guys, think I'm... there's I think there's some hope there, Dave Tona, and I appreciate the, the phone call. I know Swain does as well. It's it's really, really good to hear from you. Hope you and, and yours are, are doing well. But I, I, I do think if we're gonna sprinkle some optimism in here, Swain, uh with the offensive line, Saturday was ugly, any way you slice it. I mean every man up front just was was really, really poor. Uh, especially at left guard, center, and right tackle, in, in my opinion. And and Spragans and, and Campbell didn't necessarily play to the level that I thought that they're capable of as well. But on the bright side, you were missing Cooper and you were missing Mincy. And maybe that can give a boost going forward when they get back. Cooper, you you certainly know that that will be a boost once you get him back. You'd like to think Mincy 
would be a boost, but he's got to quit being a knucklehead. Ben, I mean, I don't, I don't ben, know other don't how other way to don't mention Mincy. What's that? Don't mention Mincy, please. Uh, I mean, I I get it, but like Crawford's not the answer at right tackle, which is why I am mentioning Mincy. Like I I like Crawf Jeremiah Crawford the person and the way he handles his business throughout the week, but in terms of athleticism and and ceiling, like Mincy. Like if, if the offensive line is going to reach its ceiling, it needs Mincy to I and I realize it it, it would be a complete one eighty for how he's acting and, and whatnot, but Tennessee's offensive line hitting its ceiling would be with Mincy at right tackle. Do I have a ton of faith in in it working out this way? No. So I'll mention him. Yeah, well I'll mention him. Because you cause you know because you know it ain't well, yeah, I mean, he was a knucklehead last year and they still got something out of him. He was rotating in with Crawford last year. I mean, Crawford was beat at birth several times on Saturday night, and I'm really not trying to harp on Crawford. It just wasn't him up front. No, but it, was, it, it wasn't. But but here's you'd like to see Mincy there. Here's what I'm saying: Crawford had his up and down moments last year. Had a great moment against Alabama, the uh, biggest game of the year. When when you when you hear from Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl, a scout through and through, and preseason he's talking about seniors that he has his eye on and he mentions Gerald Mincy that means that Mincy physically has the tools to play the next level Mincy should have been the starter the whole time last year Mincy is the reason why he wasn't the starter the whole time last year this year a Thursday before the Florida game see everyone's looking at oh super Possession, that's silly. It should, you know, it should be legal, whatever. Like, that's okay, cool. I agree. Like, make it all legal. Make it, make we legal, whatever. It's Florida week. It's Thursday. Why are you even out in that position? Where, where, where's the focus? Where's the focus? Where's the unselfishness? Where's the buy-in? Why are you putting yourself in that position to be a distraction? So, if the offensive line is playing that poorly and he's allowed to travel to Gainesville and we won't even put him in and tackle when the offensive line has issues, that should tell you something. So, I'm not counting on Gerald Mincy at all. I'm, I'm just not. I'm not saying that you're wrong for mentioning them. I'm just saying I wouldn't mention them, and I'm not counting on them until there's a complete 180. And, Ben, you just said it. You're not really confident that you're going to see that. So, I, I mean, I'm not going to even mention them based on Thursday. It's a Florida game. You transfer from Florida. I, I guess best case scenario, it's a wake up call. Yeah. Because you, you just mentioned it. He's a Florida transfer and he's dapping everybody up on the sideline from people he knew while he was at Florida. I'm I'm sure it's it's gotta be embarrassing. At least you would hope that it's that it's embarrassing to 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 be in the news the, the last forty eight hours or so. Maybe it can serve as a wake up call because him being a knucklehead last year and to start this year was 
was kind of behind the scenes stuff and not really out there publicly. Maybe now that it is out there publicly, it, it's a wake up call. Now he's supposed to wake up. I look, I'm just trying to be <laughs> optimistic. I, I know, I, I know. It. I'm just saying, like, you, you got to do plan in front of you that physically is not better than you, but this is supposed to be the wake up call. Like, the fact that he's been playing over you for the last year and three games, dude, that should have been a wake up call. I mean, that's, that's all I'm saying. And, like, I didn't leave the show with Gerald Mancy, but it, it's brought up, the offensive line's brought up, and the fact that he could be unhelped. And I'm just, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to buy into it. Like, I, Crawford just has to, he has to play better. He had a bad game. He had a terrible bad game. So he has, he has to play better, and Gerald Mincy would have to absolutely shock me and others by pulling a 180 to be someone that can be dependent on. Because on Thursday night, before the biggest game of the year, he can't be counted on. So how opposed to count on you in any other situation? You're not, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing in that situation. So that's how that's how I feel about that, man. I just uh, you you're more optimistic than me on that one, Ben. Well, I'm I I'm I'm trying to, it's more of me trying to think of solutions for yeah. how the offensive line can get better. I think um, Cooper coming back is 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 worthy of mentioning as something positive to look at. Yeah. I I I the, the Tennessee has some offensive linemen right now, some older guys that they're just not SEC offensive linemen. And and there's quite a bit of of proof that they're not SEC offensive linemen at this point in, in their career. And that there aren't many solutions either. The 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 young guys that they've brought in the last two years not right now, they, they don't seem to be ready yet. And I I understand it's it's a position you've got to be patient with. It's a developmental position, but right now it's it's they, they've got to get better in a hurry, or else this season is is not going to end up anywhere close to to what a lot of people thought it would be going into the season. Yeah, five five linemen in two thousand twenty two class, and none of them are ready ready to go right now. So there's like only one of them that I mean they brought in almost. Between the last two classes, probably almost ten guys, and like ones, one guy is really the only one that you hear somewhat mentioned, and, and that's Addison Nichols. I mean that that's again. I, I realize you got to kind of be patient with that position; it's developmental, but that that unit, that room has to to grow up quick, fast, and in a hurry, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, let's get to the phones. Then we'll have to take a, a quick break. Good morning. Who do we have with us? When Ben mentioned beat at birth, I thought he was referring to Cabal Hatton. But anyway, mm-hmm. guys, I don't care if you put Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, or Tom Brady back there behind that line. You put Nico out there, he's going to get killed. So to me, until Cooper comes back, Nico's not even on the table. Did y'all know Nico got, got banged up a little bit in the uh, Virginia game? And there's a question about him being available in the Austin P game. Yep. And no one saw him get hurt. <laughs> like, and we just want to throw him back there for a 60 minute football game 
behind this offense line right now? Mm-mm. No. Uh-uh. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. No. And as far as Milton goes, Milton has always had the habit when he's under stress that he lets his physical talent take over. But the fact of the matter is, is that, and you can even see it in parts of the Orange Bowl, Milton is about a step or two behind in his awareness. You know, because we're so used to Hendon Hooker thinking quickly, having the awareness, and and. Milton's just, he's just not quite there. Because I can't help but wonder if some of those uh, throws where it looks like the receivers run the route wrong, if he's just a little bit behind on his timing. And, and what's important in this offense? Timing. Well, timing and awareness. Quick, yep, making making quick decisions. And yep. kind of like I was talking about earlier with, with the tempo, I, I do think part of it is obviously the offensive line, like Swain talked about last last week in conjunction with, with being able to push the, the football down the field. But I also think part of it is maybe the coaching staff not having all of the trust in Joe Milton to to handle himself getting to the line of scrimmage, recognizing what the defense is doing, and then running to play that they want to run based off of what the defense is doing. I think that's why you've seen the tempo not be used as much, at least a part of it. Uh, you got a dude playing center that never snapped the football in his entire life before the Virginia game. That has something to do with it, too. Yep, yep. Guys, before I go, hey, Swain, when you ran that Jeep the other day, in addition to your driver's license, did you had to hand in your man card? See you, boys! You're terrible, Boston. You're terrible. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. We'll get to the Beatty Chevrolet text box uh, when we come back from from break. Uh, Boy, a lot of off-schedule events happening uh, with the internet going out. But we all set, and uh, we're going to finish the show strong. So uh, don't go anywhere. Our telephone number is 865-255-03. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247 with us. And I am Jason Swain, live here from the Low T Center studio. Be right back. Event family, it's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee, or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Registered representative and investment advisor, representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodman of America, member of INCRA, SIPC. Hey there, Swain Event fam. If you're currently renting and just about priced out of your place, give me a call. Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897. You may be able to buy a home and have monthly payments less than your rent. And wouldn't you rather pay your own mortgage than someone else's? Hope to hear from you soon and go Vols. 
Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss stem cell treatment and PRP. If you have orthopedic injuries, you should give them a call. That's right, Jason. We specialize in regenerative non-surgical orthopedics. So we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints by using ultrasound-guided injections with stem cells or PRP. And this form of treatment actually stimulates the body's own reparative process and allows for healing of the damaged tissue. So, Doc, what makes your training different than others? Well, Jason, I've been practicing in Knoxville for 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. At Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own bone marrow stem cells or PRP. So in other words, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, trsportsmedicine.com, East Tennessee's leader in PRP and stem cell therapy. The conversation doesn't stop when the show is over. Follow the Swain event on Twitter and like the show on Facebook. All right, we're going to hit the text box. Um, just some rapid fire. BaityChevrolet.com is the website. Pre-owned trucks, pre-owned SUVs, excuse me. BaityChevrolet.com. All right, here we go. Here we go. Let's get on down here to the nitty-gritty earlier in the show. My goodness, a lot of stuff on here today. All right, Mississippi Falls says good morning from uh, Baldwin, Mississippi. Uh, as concerned as I was about this year's offensive line, uh, I'm even more concerned about it the next couple of years. I mean, we lose, what, three or four guys off this year's offensive line? And it doesn't seem like our young guys are ready. Maybe they will be next year. Um, we have Bennett Warren and Gage Ginther, but it seems like they're going to have to hit the portal pretty hard. Absolutely. We'll have to hit the portal hard. These guys will have to grow up. Nichols, Reddick. Heron, Clipper, Grant, guys that we signed, they've had to, if they're still here, we got to, we got to grow up. Um, let's see here. Oh, congratulations to Ben and his wife. Oh, Ben, you made it public? Uh, my wife did. Oh, okay. I was, I was waiting. I was wondering. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, my, uh, Ben's about to be yeah, a peppy uh, again, and Knox is about to be a big brother. So congratulations to Ben. March uh, will be a fun month. Mm, right about that. Right about that. Um, Steph says, uh, Jay, how do you give the staff credit when our guys couldn't catch things that I could have caught? Um what do you mean, Steph? I, don't, I mean, I, Brew in the post game. You know, I interviewed Brew in the post game. I mean, I asked him to assess his play. I thought he thought he played well, tough as nails. Um, 
he wanted it. Uh, he said the slant is a pass he he could have he should have caught. He could he should have made that play. Uh, he had a false start too, which you know you never should have that as a receiver. But outside of that, I thought Brew played like a possessed grown man out there. Uh, Brew is a dog, and we need more of those. We need more. We need more dogs. Uh, D. Cody says, why did Tim Banks not blitz as much? Are we afraid to play man against Florida? Uh, we have that kid all day to get comfortable and deliver the ball. Just frustrating. Um, yeah, like when you when you play man, that means you're putting your corners on the island. So I don't know if there's a lot of confidence in our corners to play man to man or not, but we got to be able to play man to man. So um, it needs to be an open tryout. If because we, we we can't just sit back and just let guys pick us apart. They converted way too many third downs. Uh, we show we show poor the IQ and some criminal situations in the secondary. Just giving them layups. No, nope, can't happen. So if that continues, you got to play some other other people. Uh, Chip Payne says I'm not a football player, nor a parent, and I stayed off social media on Sunday. I didn't want to see all that negativity. I feel bad enough. Yep, um, I stayed off too. And I, if you're a player, I don't know why the hell you on social media at the at the at the, how some of these guys play. That's the last I mean, place you should be. You should be in the film room or, or or taking a break from football for a couple hours, but it should be on social media because you know what's going to be on there. You know what I don't understand quickly is how a good chunk of people went from celebrating how great of a coach Josh Heupel is <laughs> and, and, and being – Super happy about everything that took place last year and glorifying how great of a quarterback developer he is and how great of an offensive mind he is. And none of that excuses him from, you know, feedback or, or criticism just because you've done something in the past. But it, it it's like one game, all that goes out door out the window and like I understand being frustrated and upset it was an ugly performance on Saturday but how do you go from one extreme to the other extreme that that to me is what doesn't make sense to me no it don't make sense to me either at, at all uh Clay says is it possible for us to do what we did with Dobb roll Joe outside the pocket to give him some more time to throw uh during the game it, fe- it felt like a bad Joe performance but dang he had no time I don't think Patrick Mahomes would have gotten the ball out with our offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something you need to look at if you're if you're Josh Heupel is you know getting Joe more on the run and moving the pocket. That's something you could do to help uh, if the offensive line is struggling to protect and drop back passing situations. Uh, Joe Outlaw, when I asked, okay, what plays are we running with, with the offensive line not protecting? More quick slants, more draw plays. Oh, we ran a draw with with five dudes in the box, and we had six to block those five and didn't get anything but a yard and a half so more quick slants all right cool that's fine but you do understand we're, we're seeing some some too high they're sitting on things uh if they play cover two the quick slants are a little a little different than throwing slants versus man-to-man but i'm all for running quick slants we just gotta make sure we run them um the right way and we understand the difference between running them versus zone and man off all 23 says screen and not bubble receiver screen, traditional running back screens. Not sure if I've seen Hype run one ever. Maybe he has and I've missed it. Oh, yeah, you, you probably missed it, but I think that's a really good idea. 
to run more running back screens, for sure. Yeah, I think that will help the offensive line. I think, unfortunately, keeping the tight end and in instead of on the route could help the offensive line. Using the running back chip can be, too. But what what about the pressure in the interior? I don't know what you do when you can't block and protect from guard to guard. You got to fix that, for sure. Um Ronnie Nostel, I know for a fact that Joe didn't catch any rabbits. He's not committed to turning the ball, I guess, turning the ball over. Do you think it's because he's scared of getting hurt and having Nico inserted to never get to play again? Um, I do think Joe ran a little timid. And I don't know if it's uncertainty of blocks or, or what. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know that. But I've never been a quarterback in the pocket with my health being in question because guys in front of me are not doing their job the way they should be. So um, I think any quarterback that's in the pocket and is a little shaky about the protection, it's going to affect how they play. It's going to affect um, how they run, maybe how they sit in the pocket. Now, Joe is willing to sit in the pocket and take a hit and that's something no one has talked about because there's quarterbacks that will not take a hit to deliver the ball. And Joe was willing to take hits to deliver the football. He was willing to do that. So we got to get, we got to get better. Um, Romeo's two-step juke was so beautiful. Are we talking about the release that we're talking about? I assume so. Yeah, it, it was it was a beautiful release. It was uh, clinic worthy. It was clinic worthy. It was clinic worthy, hundred uh, percent. Thursday, we'll be back on on Thursday. Um, Tennessee is playing a team that's better than Austin P. They're playing a team that may or may not. Well, yeah, they're better than Virginia. Tennessee is playing a team that's better than Virginia, better than Austin P. Uh, obviously won't be better than Florida, but it is an opportunity to, to fix some issues. And the eye in the sky don't lie. Now, if, if effort's an issue, if you're not locked in, you're not focused, you're not handling your business, um, there's going to be people who know. And so you're playing in front of your home crowd. This is an opportunity for for the coaches uh, to play other guys that didn't that didn't do the, the job that they're supposed to do on, on Saturday. Let's see if we see more young players and new faces out there uh, on offense and uh, defense. I think that is something to really, really pay uh, close attention to. Um, if you are someone that mentally, emotionally, you're, you're carrying weight, um, you're thinking about maybe getting a therapist, seeing a therapist, I encourage you to go ahead uh, and do that. And Knoxville is so blessed to have um, a business that's just opened up a couple weeks ago Mind Body Wellness. They offer effective mental health treatment in an outpatient setting. Um, you can go to their website at mindbodyknoxville.com. Uh, they are accessible. They are affordable. They are available. Um, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to see a therapist. Uh, the stigma has been just kicked out the window over the last Half decade, decade uh, and a half, you, you hear 
mental health being talked about more and more and more. And it's real. It's important. It's just as important, if not more important, than your physical health. So mindbodyknoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment. Don't wait. Do it. Do it now. Do it today. If you know this is a step that you need to take. All right, Ben. Thursday. We'll do it again. Sounds good. I'm going to go talk to Tim Banks and Joey Halsley. We'll do it better. We will do it better. Uh, For Ben McKee, I am Jason Swain. We hope you have a great rest of your day. Also, also, one quick last point. Hiller, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical. Right now, half off month at Hiller. So tune-ups are 50% off. Make sure you go to their website. Hiller's making it easier than ever to tackle those necessary home replacements. 50% off select add-on items. More details, go to their website, happyhiller.com. Swain Events, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Peace, much love. We are out.